Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching. Where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome back. And I must say, I'm uh, feeling much more chipper since the heat wave has more or less subsided. The, the, the jogging in the morning now is rather pleasant, with the exception of those those darn gnats, or we used to call them noceums. I don't know if you are aware what they are, these little tiny things. And they, they tend to go right for the eyes. I don't know why. I hate these things. And they sting sometimes. You get these little bites. Here I am talking about bugs, but just one more second. <laughs> New Jersey gets a bad rap, and a lot of times by, by us New Jerseyites. And uh, one of the things that always uh, made me giggle was the fact that the national bird of New Jersey is the mosquito. So now I'm changing that. It's the gnats. But New Jersey has some wonderful places. I live in one of those wonderful places. And I guess we just we just like to dump on ourselves. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of love affair we have with New Jersey, with our muggy summers and our gnats and our mosquitoes and all those other wonderful things we have. So much for New Jersey. Today, I want to announce, number one, that my book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, that every week I keep telling you it will be back soon. We had that problem with the distribution of the book, the, the physical book, and it's been resolved. And it's now alive and well on Amazon. So please take a look at Unlearning Anxiety and Depression. I'm very proud of that book. I mean, it's I tell patients all the time, you know, if you if you want to take a look at the program that we're going to be engaging as we do our our therapy, the book is a step-by-step -step review and, and an in-depth review. It is really Joe Luciani therapy in a book, and it's a step-by-step -step program that will give you the tools that you need and the instructions that you need to become, as I say in my intro, your own best coach, quite literally. And, and it really does foster, I think, a kind of different perspective and an objective perspective where you can take a step back and start to look at what's going on in a more objective way and be less victimized by your own kind of spinning neurotic thoughts that have hobbled you in the past. So Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, it's now on Amazon. Go take a look. And thank you for doing that. So today I, I was, you know, every week I say to my wife, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I've covered everything in the world. <laughs> there are no more topics, no more psychological talk, topics available. And she always says, well, you'll come up with something. And, and she's always right. So I'd like to begin today's discussion, which is going to be on dreams but a different take on dreams. But I'd like to begin just with a line from one of my favorite books. It's, it's called The Soul of the Night, An Astronomical Pilgrimage. 
by Chet Ramo, R-A-Y-M-O. And in, in talking about the night, he writes, the night is the beginning of terror, as every child knows, who is not afraid of the dark. The guards are creatures of daylight. The gods work nine to five. At night, we are on our own. I think that's an amazing quote that, that leads us into our dream world, because we're on our own at night. You know, we don't have resources to protect us from those horrific things that we experience sometimes in our nightmares. We're on our own. See, the gods work from nine to five and they, they go to sleep. So they're not there to protect us. Only Chet Ramo has a way of putting it. So we're going to be talking about dreams. And I'd like to come at this at a, a different kind of vantage point, the different types of dreams. And we'll get into some of the weird stuff with dreams. But I often find many people who say, I don't dream. And okay, we're even going to get into why you do dream, because everyone dreams. If you didn't dream, you wouldn't be able to process any information during the day. Your mind would be so rattled and psychotic. Dreams are critical to our well-being, to our survival well-being. So we all dream every night. The process of remembering dreams is a little bit different, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. So I just wanted to start out by saying, yes, we all dream. So keep that in mind. Now, the next question is, well, why do we dream? Now, there are some scientists who suggest that dreams serve no real purpose at all. And as we discuss this, I'm going to ask you to kind of put together your feelings about why you dream. But for me, let me give you the self-coaching Joe Luciani reason as to why we dream. I, I see it as rather simplistic. I think that in order to understand a dream or to even have an attempt to explain a dream, to explain a dream is, is really an art form. It's like, it's like poetry, if you will. You know, it, it's not straightforward. It's not linear. And it's, it's different from our usual thinking. So in order to interpret a dream, you have to kind of loosen your, your kind of uh, tendency to see things in that linear fashion where things go from A to B to C. And you kind of have to piecemeal it together. Dreams are more emotional. And what's important for you to understand is that if you're really trying to understand a dream and you're kind of wrestling with the aftermath where you've, you've gone back over this dream that has you very upset or just interested or confused, ask yourself what transpired in the 24 hours preceding that dream or the 12 hours preceding that dream. Because that's the elements that will, in my estimation, be most reflected in the dream. So if you had a day at the office or at school where people insulted you and you were just angry and, and bitter and blah, 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 and you get to sleep and you finally fall asleep, well, chances are there's going to be some violence in your dream. And this, of course, is a straightforward kind of interpretation, but, but we would say that we're trying to work through some of the emotional clutter of our last 12, 24 hours. So in order to help you try to get a handle on what dreams can offer you, 
take a look at what transpired, where you were, what kind of emotions you were going through, especially as you approach the nighttime and the sleep. And when you are on your own. So, so as you, you know, it's like Dante when he reached the portals of hell, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And isn't that true of dreams? I mean, we, we are not in control of what we dream. I mean, if it were so, boy, we would have the most fantastic dreams every single night. We'd say, tonight I'm going to dream about no way. Uh, the dream is not about your consciousness. The dream dictates to you, and you are its recipient. And you are pure victim of the dream and the dream mechanisms and the unconscious involved in dreaming. And let's let's talk about some of the more crazy dreams that that might occur. One is called lucid dreams. These are these are not usual dreams. They're very, very clear and very provocative. Sometimes you can even, you know, see yourself operating in this, such a dream. But lucid dreams, at least in my estimation, have a lingering effect. I mean, they are so powerful and vivid. When I was in college, I was a pole vaulter. And, and I had this dream that I dislocated my elbow while jumping went to the hospital and the doctor said, uh, I'm, let, me, let me shake your hand. I'm, I'm glad to meet you or something like that. And I said, oh no, I know what you're going to do. And he said, no, no, seriously. So I held out my hand and he grabbed it and yanked it, put the elbow back in place. And that was the dream. But for years after that dream, I always thought that happened. I always thought that I dislocated my elbow and that I actually went to the hospital. I actually recalled that as a real experience. And it was only when I realized at one point later on, when I was reflecting years later, when I was reflecting that I had never missed a practice, I had always gone to every meet, I never had any recovery, or anything, that it, it couldn't have happened. And yet, I attributed that to a real event. That, that's a lucid dream. We don't have many of those. I've had two, and I'm not going to bore you with the second one I had. But, but we do have occasionally have what's called lucid dreams. And it, I'm just pointing these out as it's just points of interest. And if you'd like to have one even more interesting phenomena that takes place with the nighttime when the gods have uh, left us, it's whether or not dreams are telepathic. Now, let me first, in all honesty, tell you that I'm an empiricist. I believe in, in things that are in front of me and not speculative things. But listen to my story, and then you could either add your own or ask what you think about my story. When I was, well, I'll preface it by saying first, I'm an only child. My mother had rheumatic heart when she was young. She, from rheumatic fever, she developed a very bad heart. And growing up uh, as an only child, uh, I was told over and over and over again that your mother's very sick. Don't get her upset. She's got a bad heart. So anyhow, she and I had this very strong bond. And of course, you know, I, I had this worrisome connection to her. So we were very connected. I was married. And just maybe a year or two married, I was in bed, I was asleep. It was about four o'clock in the morning. And the phone rang. 
I picked up the phone. It was my cousin who lived in the same house with my mother. And she said, your mother is in the ambulance. She's going to the hospital. Meet us at the hospital. This was 4 a.m. in the morning. And what's interesting is that just prior to that phone ringing, I was having a dream where my mother was in front of me and she kept trying to grab me and pull me closer to her. And she kept saying, come here, I just want to pull you close to me. And I kept saying, mom, cut it out, cut it out. What are you doing? And she just kept saying, I need you close to me. And she kept pulling me in. Okay, so that was 4 a.m. when I got that call. I get to the hospital. She, she survived. She did not die. As soon as I got to the hospital, her first words to me were, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I was just trying to get you close to me. Those were the thoughts she had that I had in my dream at exactly the same time. So is there such a thing as telepathic dreams? You could be an empiricist and say coincidence. And, and you'd be kind of really pressed to convince yourself that such a coincidence can happen. I know from some of my readings that uh, some of the, the deaths that took place in Vietnam, mothers could tell the exact time that a son was wounded or killed in action in their dreams. So I don't know. I, I've, I've heard theories that, you know, that when there are, there's two criteria that's necessary. One is that the receiver of a telepathic dream has to be in a, in a very relaxed sort of dreaming state. Uh, they can't be awake and alert and stimulated and running around. And the sender has to be in a dire situation, a life-death situation. And those are the two ingredients that tend to crop up most if you pursue whether or not there can be such a thing as telepathic dreams. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I believe or not believe. I'm just telling you a fact. The fact that I had this dream, the fact that my mother had the same inclination simultaneously. Lucid dreams, telepathic dreams, and then there's, of course, just dreams. And as I said, my, my theory of dreaming is that we are processing on a regular basis the last 24 hours, we're reflecting. And the brain, when we're, when we're dreaming, it happens to be operating at a much more emotional level. So it's not, it's not like a thinking level, much more emotional than when you're awake. And the brain makes these kind of patchwork emotional connections, very, very hard to decipher sometimes. Connections that perhaps your conscious mind would never make. So what are the connections that dreams make? Well, sometimes the connections are quite vivid. Now, I had a patient once. This is a dream that's really quite impressive and very vivid, very, very vivid. And in the dream, my patient saw himself as a very young, maybe, maybe one year, one and a half year, two year old child in a diaper. And next to the child was this humongous black widow spider. It must have been eight feet tall. 
And here was this little child in a diaper next to the spider. And the child had, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like a, a, uh, a weight and, and kind of a flexible shaft. And you would use it to crack ice cubes. And anyway, the child had this, this tool. And the child was poking at the, the black widow spider with this, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And, and in the dream, finally, the black widow spider, there was a crack. And out of the crack flowed this green, yucky fluid. And that was the dream. In fact, my patient was so taken back by this dream that he actually sketched it for me. And it's in my book, The Unlearning Anxiety and Depression Book. There's a, there's a picture of that if you'd like to see that. And we talked about it. And the interpretation was somewhat straightforward for him. And as I illuminated it a bit further... We came to the conclusion that, first of all, this is the person in the dream, the young child, the toddler, was reflecting the kind of child reflex that I talk about, the primitive nature of this person's psyche, where there wasn't enough maturity in his evolution, his psychological evolution. He was still very much a child very hysterical, very pensive, very defensive, very insecure. And the Black Widow Spider was a very dominant, aggressive, mean mother. This was actually his growing up experience. And he was no match for her. He was a toddler with this inconsequential little tool. Now, what might that have meant? Well, the interpretation we gave it was that even as a child, or this would have been the status quo of this person in the moment when he had this dream, and even though he was so ill-equipped to this monstrous spider, he was hammering, 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 uh, therapy. He was poking at the spider, poking. So little by little by little, he was finding his way to crack open the spider, the black widow spider within him. Now, the mother had long since passed away, but he was still struggling, as, as we do. You know, people think that, well, you know, my, my parents have been dead for so long. Why do I keep having this complex? Well, because they're within us now. You know, the, the, you know, the, the um, kind of destructive parenting that takes place, defective parenting that takes place. Well, sometimes those parents, quote, end quote, live within us. And we carry them around and we react to them as this child did in the dream. And our work sometimes as an adult is to get beyond that, that kind of reflexive paradigm, that reflexive approach we have to life. Because now the parent becomes life itself and we're the child of life as in this dream. So this person, the child of life, the toddler, uh, this person had to evolve. And the only way to evolve was to stop being the child in life and to start cracking the Black Widow spider part of him that was holding himself back. I hope that makes sense. But, uh, but nevertheless, it does elucidate the fact that dreams can offer a glimpse of many things, but a glimpse of the path, a glimpse of what needs to happen. And this is more a traditional interpretation of dreams that you might find from, from Freud or Carl Jung. And 
And yet sometimes dreams can be instructive in and of themselves. Now, do we need to interpret a dream to have it be instructive? This is a question I, I raise with myself. Sometimes I feel that dreams affect us the way they need to affect us, whether we interpret or not. I think by interpreting a dream, we facilitate, we, we kind of advance the message of the dream. And that's why I think it is important that if you can get more mileage out of a dream to your own credit, I, I think it's important that it, it, it is something that you spend some time with. So listening to this podcast, you're probably saying, well, I need to recall my dreams first, and I don't recall my dreams. I, I really like to get into this stuff because it's interesting and it's going to help me, of course. Okay. So let's talk about remembering dreams. First of all, keep in mind that we don't dream all night. We start out with these smaller dreams, and as the night progresses, dreams can last pretty, pretty much up to 30 minutes and longer. And typically, the last dream of the night is the longest dream. And if you wake up in that dream, you're more likely to remember the dream. If you wake up in between dreams, in one of the deeper sleep cycles, uh, dreams, by the way, are, are the stage two sleep. They're right up there near the consciousness. So, but if you wake up in between two dreams, chances are you're not going to remember what you dreamt. So if you happen to wake up during a dream, well, you're going to remember it. And chances are those are the dreams that precede waking in the morning because these are the longest dreams. But, and there is a caveat, if if you say, oh, that was a great dream, I'm going to, and then you get up and you put your, your robe on or whatever you put on, by that time, it's gone. So you can't, you can't just separate yourself from a dream and expect it. It's fleeting. It's like a, a bubble that gets pricked and it's gone. So it's very, very important. If you're interested in dreams, it's very, very important that you realize how ephemeral dreams can be. And you need to grasp them and pin them down immediately. Now, when I was in my training analysis out in San Diego with Jack Laney, a wonderful Jungian analyst, he insisted that I keep a dream journal. And a dream journal is nothing more than you have your pad and pencil next to your bed and you jot down the dream. Now, in writing down your dreams, you know, sometimes if you just write down a sentence or two, you'll remember the dream, but you got to get something written down. So anyway, so I started my journey with my dream journal. And at first, you know, maybe one dream a week, I'd remember maybe two, but I would go to bed with the intention of recalling my dreams. And lo and behold, I started remembering dreams every day. Every day I woke up, there was a dream, jot it down, jot it down. I got so good at remembering dreams that I'd wake up one, two, three times during the night for different dreams, jot it down, <laughs> it was driving me crazy. I wasn't getting enough sleep, but I really was able to compile this, this tome of dreams that um, you know was, was really quite amazing. A great majority of the dreams that I wrote down never never made much sense or or just happened to make much sense. I remember I my first true analysis was with a Freudian analyst, which 
to his discredit, I would like to offer you one of his interpretations. And his interpretation, well, let me tell you the dream. The dream was that I was just standing and I had shorts on and on the back of my leg was a bug. And that was the dream. So I told him about my dream and his response as he stroked his beard was, aha, so you've wanted to have sex with your mother. So <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> and I think that's the day I terminated. But nevertheless, we, we interpret dreams according to our orientation. We, and speaking of psychologists, psychiatrists, we, we interpret dreams according to our orientation. Now, my orientation is self-coaching, which is much more practical, much more direct, much more what I would call, and if you listen to last week's podcast, much more common sense, or as I said last week, practical sense. And that's why I say bring into it the flavor of what's going on in your life prior to the dream. So if you are a dreamer, or if you become curious of your dreams, it really have a pad and paper next to you. Just do it for a while. You'll get, you'll get the hang of it. And remember what I said earlier, it's, it's like a poem. It needs to be interpreted. It's not, it's not direct. You know, the dream world is, is affected by norepinephrine and lower electrical state. So it's, it's a whole different state. It's more of a survival part of the brain where the amygdala comes into play. And that's why we have such horrific dreams of falling and being chased. And these are all they're related, people say. Some researchers say it's, it's part of our survival tendency where we're just trying to fight flight our ways, for rehearse our ways to be safe in real life. Uh, I don't know about that. But I do know that you know the amygdala is very active and that is the fight flight part of our brain. And that's why I think so many dreams are, are dreams of danger and stress and, and fright. And maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's, it is a rehearsal for handling life's stress and, and dangers. But the dreams that are, are, you know, nightmares, these are very intense dreams. And the nightmares deserve a little bit more attention because if they are reflecting some unattended aspect of your current life that you're not dealing with, uh, you know, the interpretations might be worthwhile. Now, don't feel that you have to get a PhD in psychology to interpret your dream because there is no consensus as to what dreams mean. You know, so, and don't pick up a dream book. I mean, that's garbage. You Jungians out there are probably saying, well, what about the collective unconscious? And what about the, the myth and symbols of dreams that are collectively shared by all? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, there are so many elements of dreams and dreaming, but I think that you are much better served rather than having a fixed mindset going into your own dream interpretation, I think you are much better served if you just relax a little bit, jot it down, take a look at it, at it and, and just kind of see maybe what comes to you. Try to, you know, as you, as you would uh, try to interpret, I keep saying poetry, but there's probably other, other avenues of where we interpret things, a movie, for example, or uh, whatever it is, just realize that your interpretation, uh, 
and the interpretation. And maybe it's a feeling tone interpretation. Maybe you just feel certain things about what you dreamt. Now, do you have to go much beyond that? As I said earlier with the Black Widow spider dream, sometimes just the attempt to try to further a dream advances the message of the dream. That, that's my take on it. I think when I have a particularly quote end quote important dream, what did we used to say before we used to say quote unquote? <laughs> how, did, how did we emphasize things in speech before we used to say quote unquote? I don't know. But, but for me, when I have a particularly important dream, uh, I, try to, I try to recognize or at least try to interpret it if I can. And I try to relate it to my life. And, and I think just that effort is advancing the, the cause, if you will, of the dream. The cause, quote, end quote, of, <laughs> of the dream. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's about it. I just, I just wanted to, because I'm running out of topics here, and if you please, you can email me at uh, selfcoachinghelp at aol.com and give me topics. Doggone it, I'm running out of them. But, but this was one that, that kind of came to me today, and I just, I just wanted to ex, just expound a bit, uh, or maybe you might say ramble a bit, on, on my take about dreaming. So I wish you uh, a good night. And remember, I'm going to read once more what Chet Ramos said, because I just love that quote. Bear with me, I'm opening the book right now. Where is that little line? There it is. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. The night is the beginning of terror, as every child knows. Who is not afraid of the dark? The gods are creatures of the daylight. The gods work nine to five. At night, we are on our own. Well, hand yourself over to the night because you're on your own. But you know what? What you can do is to use the night constructively. And if it's a bad night in dream world, that doesn't mean it's bad for you. A terrifying dream that scares you to death may, may have a message of healing behind it. And not every dream is self-evident. You know, a dream that seems so, oh my God, that's terrible. I dreamt that dream. Not every dream is self-evident. Sometimes the message is behind the impact of that particular dream. So be careful, be poetic. Um, and, you know, have some fun with your dreams. That said, I want to ask you to, you know, if you have a chance, you know, in, in this busy week of yours, uh, visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy. So until next time, please remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless so remember everything's hard until you make it simple so join me every week and how about we make it simple together reach out for your dreams don't surrender there is more than it seems hold on and fight follow your heart this is your way life is what you make of it believe in yourself reach out for